This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. is a single small difference between the people that do and the people that don't. It's the difference between strength and weakness, progress and stagnation, success and failure. Each and every one of us has it, have used it, and have used it successfully every single time. And every single time, we have an overwhelming sense of accomplishment. Our efforts are justified, and we bask in the glory of a tough job well done. And done well enough to justify its means. There are several single words that sufficiently describe this characteristic. Though, for some reason, these words don't sound as potent and powerful as they did when we were children. The words are flow, presence, concentration, focus, attuned, attention, Matthew Scarfo. This episode is about holistic wellness and mindful movement. And we'll be listening to Matthew Scarfo, who is a writer, speaker, and the president, owner, and private fitness consultant at Full-Time Fitness in Morristown. As a credentialed fitness professional for more than the last two decades, Matthew has dedicated his working life to learning, practicing, and teaching all aspects of fitness, exercise, nutrition, and health. He has worked tirelessly to earn a spot among other industry-leading fitness professionals, and he is an expert in the craft. Matthew is an NASM certified personal trainer and credentialed corrective exercise performance, weight loss, nutrition, human movement, and functional training specialist. 
He is impassioned by helping others understand and apply both the fundamentals of and advanced concepts of fitness, health, nutrition, and human movement, and is excited to share his knowledge, experiences, and lessons with as many people as possible. To read Matthew's full biography, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Here is the interview with Matthew Scarfo. In your own words, who is Matthew Scarfo? That's a great question. So I think that Matthew Scarfo is a, I'm a 40 year old family man with a beautiful wife and three wonderful children. Um, I focus a lot of my efforts on making myself, I think, better for better for everything around me, better for everybody around me. I, I like to enrich people's lives, which is why I got into the industry that I'm in, to enrich my children's lives and ensure that they grow up to be kind and contributing souls to this world and, and to the economy and to the people that are around them. I'm interested in, in experiences. I, I really enjoy doing new things for the sake of doing new things, learning new things for the sake of having that knowledge and connecting the dots in between. That sounds really good. Thank you. Before we begin talking about holistic wellness and mindful movement, I have a few general questions for you. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? I think the world's greatest need is empathy. Why do you think this way? I think that way because we often get lost in our own moments. We often get lost in our own worlds and in our own minds. And I think that what happens is we end up, we end up neglecting to show our real selves to the people around us out of fear of their judgment. So I think that we neglect to put ourselves in their shoes whenever there's an interaction from something as simple as opening the door for somebody or rather when they don't open the door for us when we're walking into a store we're quick to judge them as being unkind or not nice but we don't know what's going on in their head we don't know what's going on in their world and i think if we bring that into the meta and expand that onto a world stage i think that we often don't consider circumstances and situations of other people when we interact with them and that leads us again to judgment and I think precludes us from being able to have a good relationship with these people by giving them the benefit of the doubt. Mm, I like that. So true. When I ask this question to people around me in my town and um, during the podcast, I hear a lot words like love, compassion, empathy too, but not as much. So I'm wondering, um, what is the difference between love, compassion, and empathy? Um, I don't know. I can I can tell you my interpretation of that love is i think a deep emotional favorable connection that we have to something or somebody that we care very much about compassion is sympathy so i think feeling bad well not necessarily feeling bad but feeling emotion or emotional for a situation that they 
may be in or that they are in. And I think that empathy is considering all of the possible variables of what can be happening for them at any given moment again and, and not having any experience necessarily with what they're going through but understanding how tough that might be by putting ourselves in their shoes so you know i think it's, there's a strong difference between sympathy which is feeling bad for somebody and empathy which is trying to put ourselves in what their situation is in, entirely and and understanding and sympathizing with them for however that situation is impacting them at that point. Mm, yeah, it makes sense to me. Are you a, an empathetic person? I try to be. I'm not as empathetic as I'd like to be. And that's uh, every day I, I work harder and harder to be more empathetic to those around me because I think that makes me a better person. And I think that that makes me a better soul. I think that does justice to the way that my parents had raised me, uh, you know, walk a mile in their shoes. I remember that's what my mother used to tell me all the time. And, and being empathetic is just that, yeah. Yeah, really great. Um, you mentioned soul. Do you believe in God? I do. What kind of God? I believe in a loving, caring, and forgiving God. And whether that's a, an actual being in whose physical image we were created in or whose spiritual image we were created in. You know, I'm not sure if it's a body. I don't know if it's an energy. I don't know if it's a combination of the two, but I, I certainly know that my God is my conscience. And at the end of the day, when I rest my head on my pillow, that's really the only person that I have to answer to. Mm, right. Um, what kind of relationship do you have with the God that you just talked to me about I would say, like, it's a personal God, isn't it? It is. I think everybody has a has a personal God. Uh, I, I've got a, a very intimate relationship with my God. I speak to him every day, whether or she, every day, whether it's verbally or, or in my own head. I, I pray every day. Um, I try to put positive thoughts out into the universe and have them manifest, not just for myself, but for other people. And as far as my relationship with God goes, I, I try to strengthen it, and I'm not perfect. You know, I, I make mistakes. I have lapses in judgment, and that's why I'm hopeful that my God is a is an understanding and forgiving God, so that they know that I do my best, and I'm always trying to improve. Mm, yeah. Do you think that there is a difference between religious beliefs and spirituality? I do. You know, I think religious beliefs are, are limited by our language, you know, regardless of which book you live by. I think that we're limited to the explanations that our words can provide where spirituality isn't. I think spirituality is more of a feeling than a definition. And you can have a relationship with God or the universe that transcends your ability to explain who that is or what that is. So I think that you can be spiritual and not religious. And I think that you can certainly be religious and not spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think is the purpose and meaning of your life, Matthew? To create a positive impact on as many people as I can. 
to touch as many people as I can in a way that makes them better off after they've met me than before they met me in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Mm, that's great. So let's talk about holistic wellness and mindful movement. And my first question is, what is the foundation of your fitness and wellness philosophy? The foundation of my fitness and wellness philosophy centered around mindful movement and presence. It, it Mechanically, it's around maintaining a neutral and safe posture. So when I'm working with clients and we're exercising, physically, I ensure that they've got a connection to their body so they can keep their back safe, their spine safe, their joints in the right positions during the right ranges of motion. I think that overall, with regard to wellness, it's being present in the moment. There's not a single person who's accidentally been successful for more than just a moment. I think that when we see people that are exercising in a gym or they are making progress really in any part of their life, it's deliberate progress. These are people that are focused on what they're doing when they're doing it, and they've got a connection to themselves and their actions in that moment. So mindfulness is extremely important because if you're not, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a course of action, which of course you can deviate from, but if you don't have, if you don't have an idea of, of where you're trying to go, then it's that old saying that says, you know, if you don't know where you're trying to go, then any road will get you there. It's important to be aware of, of what you're doing, why you're doing it, where you are, both in space and in your head and what it is that you're doing in order to contribute to whatever goals that you have. Right. Mm. So it seems like you use those two words in the same way, with the same purpose, mindfulness and awareness is the same thing. What about wellness and well-being? Would that be the same as well? I think there's some overlap there. I think that wellness and well-being, well-being, I think well-being is more of an emotional state. I think that your body can be well, but your well-being is, is where are you in this universe? Where are you in the space that you occupy? If you don't have good well-being, then I think that overall you're just not healthy. All of the realms aren't connected to the spiritual, the physical, the mental. I think that you can have spiritual wellness, physical wellness, and emotional wellness all independent of each other. And once you've got some degree of all three, I, I think that then you've got, you're in a state of well-being. Mm, I like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. We want to be well in every area. So the word um, well-being kind of tracks me a lot more than wellness. Talk to me about this balance between physical, mental, and spiritual. I think that mindfulness is a, is a tremendous part of that. If If you're not focused on something, then whatever happens to it's incidental to whatever else you're doing. So I think that it's important to establish if you feel that you've got a deficiency in any one of these areas and figure out not necessarily a roadmap, but at least commit yourself to moving in a forward direction with regard to any one of them. I think they all work together and they they, they all work off of each other. I think that when you're not mentally well, it's hard for you to connect to your spirituality because perhaps your, your judgment is off and 
physically, I, I don't think that it's easy to, to focus on your spiritual or rather your physical wellness if if the mental piece isn't there. I, mean, I feel like the mental piece is really your physical compass. With regard to physical wellness, I think that it's important to keep the body healthy because if the body's not healthy, then everything else deteriorates too. And I know that when I've been cold or when I've been sick and I haven't felt well, that I don't feel like myself. And so that would affect the, uh, the mental component of it. And then in terms of spirituality, I mean, that's what happens to us after we're gone. So if we don't tend to that and, and try to support and help the people around us and have a good connection with our moral compass, with our God or with our universe, then you might live a very prosperous and, and healthy life here on earth. But when your heart is pulled and it's time for you to go to the next level, uh, if you haven't worked on the spiritual side of it, I don't think there's going to be much there waiting for you. Right. So what would be three main suggestions coming from you to maintain or to achieve um, physical, mental and spiritual health? Sure. So three main things to achieve. Thing. Okay. First of all, you've got to want to make improvements in any and all of these areas. If if it's just not of a, if it's not important to you, you're not going to do it. So first and foremost, you've got to have awareness, not only of, of where you are, but where you'd like this to go. I think then you need action. You've got to make some move in that direction. Um, it's great to have all the best intentions in the world, but if you don't if you don't act on them, then they're not worth anything at all. Finally, I think that self-awareness is, is key. If you're not aware or conscious of what you're good at, what your strengths are, or what you're not good at, what your weaknesses are. I've seen many times people invest a lot of effort into their weaknesses and not make any progress whatsoever and make make themselves, they drive themselves mad. They go crazy because they're not able to see any improvement in those weak areas. I think if you are able to focus on your strengths and capitalize on them and be self-aware enough to know what you're good at, then you can leverage those things to not only make your world better, but make the world around others better as well, whether that's through your efforts or through your donations or through your time or whatever the case may be. I think that those are all important. You've got to be aware, you've got to take action, and you've got to be present enough to know where your efforts would be well spent. Mm, yes, right. So what would be three tips for physical health, and then three for mental health, and three for spiritual health that we can apply almost immediately and improve our lives? Three tips. So three tips for physical health would be, I think it's it's really, I think posture is very important. That's where my fitness programming for my clients from, comes from your posture. If And they say that motion creates emotion. So for example, if you're standing and you're standing slouched and your gaze is low and you don't look like you have confidence, you're not going to feel like you have confidence and you're not going to project that confidence. So standing with good posture, standing upright tends to generally make us feel better about ourselves. And it also makes the body move better and make sure that all of the joints have the right relationships with their muscles and things like that. So I think 
posture is enormous when it comes to physical health. Also, I believe that one other tip for physical health would be movement. You know, we've, we were designed to move. We were designed to resist forces. We were designed to be under some sort of physical stress every single day. It doesn't have to be traumatic stress, but whether or not you believe we were here 100,000 years ago or we've only been here for several thousand years, we've always done something physical. Um, up until just a couple of hundred years ago, all of us were working on the homestead and whether it was farming or taking care of livestock or building, we were all doing something that made our bodies feel useful. And so our bodies would adapt by being stronger, more flexible, more capable. So movement is extremely important for physical health. Also equally as important for physical health, I think, is the fuel that we give our bodies. I guess the flip side of that would be, you know, the the poisons that we put in our bodies, whether they be pharmaceuticals that you don't necessarily need. I think that those cause stress and affect your physical well-being. Um, I think that eating a organic, naturally sourced selection of foods is also extremely important. There's not a lot of chemicals or pesticides in there that your body that competes in your body for resources. Feeding the body is extremely important and making sure that you're not poisoning the body is also extremely important. As far as mental, I think that most people that I've met would be best served if they just slowed down. We end up getting so far ahead of ourselves in daily rat race and we drive ourselves crazy. I think that stress levels are higher now than they've ever been, at least in my 40 years on this earth. I think that it's easy to get encumbered by all of the little things that accumulate throughout the day. Um, all of the unexpected things that might come up, your fuel light comes on and you're running late or you hit traffic or you get into an argument with a colleague or a coworker. All of these things tend to accumulate. I think that slowing down and living in is extremely important. So I guess mental presence also would be sleep. That's something that I, uh, yeah. I, I, don't, do, I don't do very well with. I don't get much sleep every night. I, I, I'm, a victim of, I'm a victim of my own mental health, I suppose, because I'm, I work like today is going to be my last day that I'm able to work. And that means that I end up taking a lot of time away from the other things that are important, such as sleep and, and self-care sometimes as well. So I think that get, getting enough sleep every night so that you feel like you're rested in the morning is extremely important. Then mentally, I think probably more important than those other two are to nurture the relationships with the people that we have around us. If we ourselves are very selfish and, and don't appreciate the gift of, of relationships, the gift of family, the gift of friendships, we end up taking those for granted and it doesn't take too long before we find ourselves alone. It's extremely, I think it's critical that we take care of those that we expect to take care of us. And, you know, a smile can go a long way. A kind word, a kind word can go a long way. A pat on the back can go a long way. And, and we know this because we've had those experiences done to us and we know how that makes us feel. So, you know, by taking care of the people that we love, then they're able to take care of us a little bit better, too. So I think that that's probably the single most important thing out of out of all of it, out of the physical, out of the mental and out of the spiritual. That, that's probably the most important thing. And then as far as spiritual health, I think that it's important to understand and well, 
rather, I think that it's important to, to nurture your relationship with the universe, whether it's God that you believe in or a life force or the universe itself. I think that it's extremely important to have a relationship with that, because when we're left alone with our own thoughts, sometimes, um, you know, getting stuck inside of your own head is a very terrible place to be, especially when we're lonely. And if we've got a good relationship with our God or our universe, then it's easy to ask them for advice and get a positive response from from that. So having a relationship is is important. I think that nurturing that relationship is also important. And I, I think that people shouldn't be afraid to ask for help. I think that it's important that when we feel like things have gotten tough and that we don't know which fork in the road to take, that it's okay to feel vulnerable and it's okay to feel like we we need some help. And if we're afraid to ask the people around us, if we find ourselves in a moment of silence and, and quiet deliberation with an open mind, I think that the answer often comes to us. And whether that comes to us from our spiritual guide or from somewhere else, you've really got to be receptive to it. And without acknowledging that you're at an impasse, it's hard to accept advice from anybody. And then to pray. I think being thankful for all of the things that we have and Many of us, all of us, have a lot of things that we can be thankful for. Um, I think it's important to put that out into the universe as well, because if all we do is ask, 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 at some point in time, that's going to have to reconcile, and we're going to have to give, give, give. And if that comes at an op- if that comes at a point in time when you're not prepared, whether physically, emotionally, or spiritually, to give, that ends up taking its toll on us. So to be thankful, to give thanks for the things that we have and also for the things that we don't have. I think that that's also a very important spiritual step that we can all take. Right. Wow. I guess my next question is, what are some of the key signs to know when there are imbalances in these areas? I think that we all have issues right now. I, I think that there's always an opportunity to make improvements in any of these areas. They be- they, I think they become evident when at, at a certain point they become evident when everything is out of balance and, and we haven't given, I think, into the world and into the universe as we should have. And sometimes not so subtle, we get reminders that it's important for us to maybe revisit our approach to, to things and to people. So, I mean, how do we know physically when you're sick, you know, when your body doesn't move, when things, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was thinking you're out loud, I guess. Think of the physical part's kind of easy to tell, right? Yeah. Mentally, it's also easy to tell. And and I've been a victim of this. And it's usually one of my cues that I need to take a step back and refocus. And that's when I begin to think of situations or of people in an unfavorable way, when I don't give them the benefit of the doubt or when I'm not empathetic. Um, I set holding the door for somebody example again. I've caught myself many times when somebody's when I've been right behind somebody walking into a store and they've just swung the door open, walked in, and the door slams on my face. And you know, I'm from New Jersey, so I don't mind telling people like, hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And when I say that, it's funny when I hear my voice say that, I, I think to myself, really, how, how rude was that? Because 
it's you don't know that mental state that somebody was in. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example, uh, a very good example. So my mother passed away about five years ago. And I remember driving to the hospital um, before shortly before she was she passed away and driving to the hospital. And I had a million things on my mind. And that happened. I walked into a convenience store and. I swung the door open, I walked right in, and I heard the door open almost immediately from behind me. And even though my mind was scattered in a million different directions, I had presence enough to turn around and apologize to that person. I knew they were when I was walking into the store, but I, I wasn't really concerned about anybody right then except for except for my mother and getting to the hospital. So I think having that presence was was important and I made everything right in the world when I had apologized to them and they had accepted my apology. But that was that was kind of an eye opening experience for me, as well as um, I was at a hospital. There's a, a very good pediatric hospital in Morristown, New Jersey, Morristown Medical Center. They're great. And I was in the radiology wing getting a um, getting an MRI done and they needed to use contrast. So, you know, they inject you with radioactive stuff. And there I am sitting in the waiting room. And this was before I had children. I've got three now. And I'm sitting in the waiting room and in the waiting room with me, eight o'clock in the morning was a man who I would guess was about 42, 43 years old with their son. And their son didn't have a hair. His son didn't have a hair on his body, no hair, no eyebrows, no eyelashes, no hair on the arms. And this child was obviously a chemo patient. And I'm sitting there feeling like you know, my day is ruined because I've got to sit here for three hours and I you know, I had to cancel appointments and miss work for this. And this man is sitting here with a million thoughts going through his mind, probably similar to those that I had walking into the convenience store in the previous example and thinking to myself, you know, I, I guess I could have it much worse. You know, I could be here right now with the 100 questions that this man has about the one person in this world that he would sacrifice everything for. When, when I was aware of that, when I became aware of that, you know, I, I, I looked at the man and we caught eyes and I, I smiled at him slightly. He smiled back, though it was an empty smile. And you know, it gave me a realization that, you know, it's it's important to consider the thoughts and the feelings of others, no matter what we do, because that man very well could have been the man walking in front of me into a convenience store, not holding the door open for me, letting it slam in my face and me with my you know, smart ass comment saying something to him, but not considering all of the things that he's got going on behind the scenes. So when we find ourselves making judgments on other people, whether it's for the sake of humor or for the sake of, I guess, our own entertainment, I, I think it's time to check yourself and, and decide that you're going to, I guess, take a few moments and, and think about what it would be like to have your world crashing in on you and and the way that you might behave to those around you and remember that you know that that could be you and that would be you one day so i think that when those things begin to happen it's important really to start looking at yourself mentally and then spiritually you know i don't know because i don't how, how does how does the spiritual world let you know that you are you're on the right path or you're on the wrong path and I don't I don't know the answer to that. So what I do is I make sure that I'm always I'm always pouring into that cup. I make sure that I'm always doing a little bit more in that realm than I feel like I necessarily need to, because I, I, you don't really know 
how deficient you are in investing into your spiritual self, I think, until you move on into the next world and find out that, you know, you might come back as an earthworm or something like that <laughs> because you good to the people around you. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I think as a, as a precaution, it's probably best to assume that you're always at least a little bit deficient in the spiritual world. In this way, you know, it's, it's better to go into that with an excess than, than with a deficit, I think. Hmm. Yeah, maybe the sign is lack of empathy, lack of love and compassion. For yourself and others, like we don't take enough care of ourselves, so that's lack of self-love and empathy for oneself. So, what is another word for presence, Matthew? I think another word for presence is mindfulness, I, and another word for mindfulness is is consciousness, being aware, you know, being conscious of your actions and and the way that they affect other people and also your thoughts and the way they affect yourself. Uh, you know, to, to your point before, if, if you're not taking care of yourself, then there's no way that you can take care of the people around you, especially if those people depend on you. And oftentimes the people that depend on us, we're not aware of them all. You know, obviously children, spouses and friends depend on you, but there might be a stranger out there that their whole life is changed by a comment that you make or some assistance that you provide. You know, somebody's got a flat tire on the side of the road and you're able to stop and, and help them change their tire. You, you might have changed the course of their entire future. And if you're not able or, or capable of, of helping others because you don't take care of yourself, then I think that you're doing an incredible disservice, not just to to you and the people around you, but to the people that you're going to meet in the future who, who might also rely on you in some way. Right. Right. Yeah. It always goes back to self-knowledge and self-awareness and the presence you talk about that if we cannot um, accept ourselves, love ourselves, take care of ourselves, then it's really hard to uh, do these things or transmit these virtues um, to others. You can't give what you don't have. Sure. Would you like to add anything else before I ask you my final questions? You know, I'm I'm interested because I've I've followed you quite a bit, and I'm I'm interested to know if you don't mind sharing when, in your experiences, have you found signs that your spiritual and your mental need some attention one of you how, how do you determine that it's time for you to take an inventory of your faculties and and decide that you need to focus a little bit more on yourself mm, yeah that's a great question i think acceptance is huge like in, um, in spiritual growth in mental health in physical health acceptance accepting things the way they are instead of fighting I think we fight too much. I really believe that all diseases and all issues we have in all those domains that we talked about, physical, mental, spiritual, it's related to that, that forcing things to happen the way we want. So I don't know if I answered um, your question, but... You, you answered it better than I could have hoped you could have answered it. And I, I look forward to listening to this over and over again, because I think that that explanation is 
something that really resonates with me. I'm sure that it resonates with a lot of other people as well. And if it if it's not something that that they already practice, and I I, I certainly don't consciously practice it to the extent that I think that I should have to reach your level of acceptance and understanding. Um, I think I still make excuses for myself and my behavior, which is something that I work on, not with the final result hoping to be acceptance, but rather, well, I guess with the final result being more self-acceptance than anything else, because when I do something that's that doesn't jive with my belief system or my core values, um, I'm I'm usually aware of it as it comes out of my mouth or as I feel myself do it. And, you know, I, I, I make that correction, but really piecemeal, one, one, one piece at a time. But to have you put it into more of a context with more of a definitive conclusion, which would just be acceptance of those around me and acceptance of myself, I think that that lends a little bit to the empathy that I talked about before. Really, um, you answered my question extraordinarily well, and, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that I used to struggle with was the uh, the idea of accepting things just the way they are, myself and everything else, with agreeing with them, <laughs> with these things. You can accept without agreeing. To your point, I agree 100% that acceptance isn't necessarily endorsement. You know, just because you allow people to behave certain ways and, you know, understand it for being what it is doesn't mean that you would contribute to it or, or help it progress in any way. So accepting isn't endorsing. I think endorsing would be benefiting somebody else. Accepting is benefiting you. You know, you're just taking it as this is just a stone in the river or an obstacle or a situation that, you know, in a matter of just whether it be a few moments or longer than that, it, it'll come to pass and it'll be buried underneath the sands of time where you're well on your way to your next destination. Um, you know, the things that you've accepted but not necessarily agreed with still have their moment in time, but they're not, it's not on your timeline. So I, I agree with that. That's great. Right, right, right. And beyond that, everything's God, everything is the universe. There's nothing that is not, nothing. So it would be kind of strange not to accept or let it be, God be, bad, uh, the ugly, the storms, whatever, however it comes. A word that I really like is the absolute. So you are the expression, we all are here, the expression of the absolute. It doesn't matter how we express ourselves or the things around us. Everything's God. There's no nothing apart from God. So then I guess in that case, it's we have a responsibility then to be then and to accept. Mm, yeah, but I think the difference is that when you are conscious that you are the universe, then everything changes. That's when you are able to be compassionate, to see the dark around you and embrace that too. Because you know that those people or whatever life form that is expressing themselves in that with the dark side, it's also God or God not knowing that it's God. So it must take a tremendous amount of faith then knowing that at the end, everything kind of equals itself out and that this absolute is, is the absolute neutral or is the absolute skew positive? Does the absolute skew negative or does it 
or does absolute transcend all of that? Oh, yeah, it transcends all of that. There's no such thing. No, no. And there's no end. I agree with that 100%. And when we do change, when we leave this earth, then we we go back into that new consciousness. At least this is my belief that we, we, we go into that consciousness that we go into when we sleep. And it's a boundless consciousness. It's not bound by gravity. It's not bound by thoughts or the limitations that we put on ourselves, which I think is why dreams can be so fantastic sometimes because because we can fly, we can we can do all of those crazy things. And you know, they're they're crazy to us in this consciousness of being awake right here. But that's a very interesting point that you make and that resonates with me really strongly. Uh, let me ask you my last questions. Whatever comes to mind, how do you define success? I define success as the progressive movement in the direction of your goals. So I don't believe that it is a destination um, per se, or at least a, a finite destination. I think that when we when we arrive somewhere, we always look to arrive somewhere else. There's always what's next and what's next. And I, and I think that if we if we try to define success as, as getting as having gotten somewhere, then we will never be successful because our ideas of success change along the way. So success is is progress. I think that if you decide that you want to do something, achieve something, gain something, earn something, then as long as you are moving, whether it's mentally, spiritually, or physically, or chronologically in the direction of that goal, then that is success. I think success is really the journey and not the destination because the destination always changes. If if not along the way, then certainly when we get there. <laughs> so true. If you knew you would lose the body soon, I usually don't say the word die. Would you make any change in your life? You know, I am embarrassed to say that yes, I would actually. <laughs> you would. Um, would you um, tell me what kinds of chains you would make? I feel like the the answer that, and, and I'm happy to tell you, I feel like the answer that I would give you is is the would probably be the answer that a lot of people would give you, and that is, you know, I would be, I'd make sure that I would make sure that I told everybody that I loved them. I would make sure that I showed everybody that I loved them. I would make sure that I prayed before I went to bed tonight. I would make sure that I was kind to everybody around me certainly make sure that my kids knew well especially my kids but that everybody knew how much they really meant to me and the reason why i say i'm embarrassed to say that is because i should i think the epitome of of being a good person would have disallowed me from saying anything i i think that it's a struggle for me to get to that point as quickly as i can so that way the day before I do leave this earth, if you were to ask me the same question, I would tell you that I wouldn't do anything different. So, um, yeah, uh, that's a great question. Every single person that, that passes on has a number of things that they were going to do tomorrow. You know, they've got, they, their workshop is, is a mess or, you know, they didn't put their laundry away. Everybody's got plans for the next day and none of them include, I think, sharing their thoughts and their feelings with the people around them or trying to better somebody else's life. I think that, you know, if, if you were to ask a rather, you know, if, if you were going to be alive tomorrow, 
what would you do different? I think people's list would include things like that laundry, I'd wash the car, I got, you know, this to do. But if you ask them that if they weren't going to be on this planet tomorrow, what would they do? The answer is completely different. And I think in terms of spiritual success, success, to go back to what we were talking about before, I think that you can measure your spiritual success based on the difference between those two things. You know, if, if you were, I think if you had arrived spiritually, uh, you know, if I was closer to where you are spiritually than I, where I am right now, my answers would include more of the answers of, you know, loving the people around me and taking care of those around me rather than, you know, what I'm going to do when we get off of this call right now, I'm going to get back at work and write a couple, you know, write a couple of things. So, you know, you've certainly given me some things to think about. Um, well, we can do that at the same time too. We can take care of your work and at the same time, love the people around you. That's one of the things that I learned because I work a lot. I do a lot of stuff. But every time my husband comes next to me, I stop everything. I give him a hug. I give them attention. Like my whole being just kind of. So I think it's something that we can do. It's practical too. Now, that's something that you haven't had to really give much thought to. I mean, I, I guess that's something that's so ingrained in your ethos that you know you, you don't you don't struggle with that when when something needs your attention or deserves your attention you don't you don't think about parsing it between what you're doing now and what you should be doing it's, it's quite easy for you to switch gears yeah right right it's a practice i guess you know it, it must be a practice so my last question to you what are three things about life this relative life you know for sure? Three things that I know for sure. I know that life goes on. I know that life goes on, if not for us, then for everything around us. I know that the biggest accomplishments and the biggest failures, the biggest heartbreaks and the biggest loves all are eventually buried underneath the sands of time. That, you know, that far enough in the past, everything tends to disappear. Um, whether it's generationally or you know yearly, weekly, daily, things are for, things that were once important for one reason or another are are forgotten, or at least their impact is diminished as we continue to grow and as the people around us continue to grow. Another certainty is that things change, and sometimes unexplainably so. You know, we know that the seasons change; we can predict when that's going to happen and, and what happens when it does, but. People change too in ways that we can't predict. To, to your point, you know, if each person is their own absolute, then they've got their own path that they're traveling on, whether intentional or not. And you know, and it's impossible to factor in all of the possible scenarios and possible thoughts that that people have and, and the outcomes of every situation. So, you know, again, to your point, it's it's important to be at peace with just the way that things are. There is no past. There is no future. There's only right now and that things are unpredictable. You know, what we assumed may happen today likely won't happen the way that we intended them to, which actually brings me to something that I've always thought was interesting that it, this would be my, my final absolute would be that anytime that I've ever worried or looked forward to something, anything, whether it was a meeting, a conversation, an event, um, you know, if, if I was about to call somebody that I, I really didn't want to call because I was afraid of how the conversation would go, 
or you know, it, you know, just anything. The simple fact that well, we worry about things. We come up with all these convoluted ways the situation is going to go in our head. And one thing that I know for sure above everything else is that the possibility that I conjured up in my head of the way that a situation would go, it never goes the way that I thought it would. Ever. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And I think it's simply by virtue of me thinking about it that actually eliminates it as a possibility. Anytime I've been afraid of, of a conversation and I get into the conversation without exception, it never is as bad as I thought it would be. It's also never as good as I thought it would be. So to sit there and worry and to fret or to concern ourselves with the way that something may go, I think is completely useless because we never get it right anyway, ever. So true. That's a very, very good point. Yeah. Mm. It has been a meaningful conversation, Matthew. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? So right now I've got, um, right now I, I run a brick and mortar personal training studio and gym in Morristown, New Jersey. So if you went to fulltimefit.com, you'll learn more about my business. I'm actually in the process of finalizing a personal professional website which um, I'll be happy to share that information with you once I get it all figured out. That'll be um, that'll have really more of the events that I do, the accomplishments, the um, you know, the charity work and blogs that I write, articles and, and conversations that I've had very much like this one. But right now, uh, fulltimefit.com or if you visit the Morristown patch, um, I've got a number of articles that I've written that appear there as well as a, a biography. And that's just at patch.com. You can search Matt Scarfo and find me there. Sounds great. Thank you so much again. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Bye. for listening. To learn more about Matthew Scarfo, please visit his website, fulltimefit.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.